0: the Stressed Out Caregiver podcast, episode 123. Do you know what assets your loved one has and where they're located? Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Stressed Out Caregiver podcast. I'm your host, Casey Price from the thestressedoutcaregiver.com. And before I begin, I want to remind you once again about the Stressed Out Caregiver Facebook support group. I hope everyone listening has joined the group if you are, in fact, caring for an aging parent, spouse, or elderly loved one. In the group, you can leverage the knowledge of other caregivers. It's a chance to get assistance from other people caring for loved ones and to also share what you've learned to hopefully help others struggling with issues you have experience dealing with yourself. I hope to see you in the group really, really soon. Now today, we're going to discuss the importance of knowing what assets your loved one has and where they're located. And this might seem very simple and basic, but it is a a truly important piece of advice because... Knowing this information is one of the first things people should do when they begin helping to care for an aging parent, spouse, or elderly loved one. You must determine what assets they have and where they're located. Now, why is it so important? Well, because understanding what assets they have will help determine what care they can afford and whether they're going to be out of money sooner or later. Of course, that's assuming they had any money to begin with. And, you know, I know a lot of people don't. So, this is a really important starting point in the caregiving process. And when I talk about assets, don't just include money like cash dollars and stocks and bonds, but it also includes real estate, automobiles, art, jewelry, planes, boats, and anything else that could be liquidated to raise cash, even if it isn't easy to liquidate. You know, that's all part of the total picture of their assets. And then when determining the value of their assets, you have to consider their debts at the same time, since the money they owe will reduce their assets by that amount. The net amount, which is the assets they own minus the amount they owe, is their net assets. The rule of thumb is that that, that is the money they have to work with when they're planning and paying for care. And just as important in making this assessment of what assets do they have, you have to know where they keep their money. Where are their assets located? Is their money in a bank or with a financial advisor? Is it owned by them outright or is it held in a trust? Do you have the documents you need to access their money if they can't get it themselves due to Alzheimer's disease, dementia, or some other cognitive impairment? can they introduce you to the professionals they work with so those professionals know you in the event you have to step in and act on your loved one's behalf. In fact, those professionals uh, or those institutions may have papers you can and, and maybe should sign to make the transition of control or the the ability to access their assets when, when they're ultimately needed easier for you. But again, you'll discuss this with each individual bank or, or financial institution. So, You know, where is the money? How do you access it if you ever need to? You know, I've talked in the past about how banks and financial institutions are suspicious of the power of attorney. But if you can go in there with your loved one in advance of needing it before you need to use the power of attorney to access assets on their behalf or to manage their money for them, if you can go in and have that power of attorney approved while your loved one has the ability to explain what's going on and and tell the bank or the financial institution or or whatever um, entity you're working with that this is my power of attorney, this is my agent here, this is the person who's going to be managing my affairs if I can't do it myself, here's the document. What else do you need from us in order to make this transition as smooth as possible if my loved one ever needs to act on my behalf? So, you know, you're, you're able to have those conversations before you need to act for them. And, and oftentimes that can make the transition much easier when and if the day comes that you ever have to make that transition where you have to take over for them and help them manage their affairs. If, as you listen to this episode and you, and you think to yourself, I don't have the ability to access the money, well, could your loved one help you gain that access? Do they have the capacity to sign documents to authorize you to access and deal with assets and debts for them if they can't do it themselves? Of course, assuming that you're the person they would want to appoint. If not, if they don't have the ability to help you and you need to step in, then you might need to apply to be their guardian or a conservator, which would be a court appointment, something you would have to do uh, often with an attorney through the court. And and even if you don't need to use an attorney to apply for guardianship or conservator, I, I always strongly recommend that you talk to one in a situation like that so you understand what the role is you'd be uh, accepting if you were appointed someone's guardian or conservator and understand the process that you'd be going through and what will be asked of you in that position. The bottom line is this, the sooner you determine your loved one's assets and, and where they're located, what they have, where they're located, what their net assets are, you know their debts as well, um, the better equipped you'll be to help plan their care and pay for what they need, and that's the name of the game. Can we get them the care they need to provide them with the highest possible quality of life? Well, I argue this is step one, that understanding what assets they have, where they're located, and then ultimately making sure you have access to those assets to in order to help your loved one. That's where you have to begin. I hope this is helpful. Thanks so much for taking time to listen today. Uh, it's a really important issue, and I, I think it really um, warrants this conversation, and I, I hope that you'll follow up and and, and look into this. Um, remember, you can always email me. My email address is at C-A-S-C-Y, at thestressedoutcaregiver.com, Go to Facebook, take a look at the support group. It might be very helpful to you and the people you're assisting. Also remember my course, 8020 Senior Care is out. You can find that course at 8020-8020-seniorcare.com. So 8020-seniorcare.com, um, you you that's that's where the course is. Take a look at it. It's 20 steps to prevent 80% of the problems uh, as your loved one ages. If you're new to caregiving, if you're not sure uh, where to begin in the process or what to do next, frankly, this course will give you a great overview of, of what you need to know as you're caring for a loved one. Now, today, and as always, this show is based in New Jersey law. The laws in your state might be different. The content of this show is not intended to be legal advice, but rather information so you can find the help you and your aging parents, spouse, or elderly loved one need to provide each of you with the highest possible quality of life and the least amount of stress. So once again, I am Casey Price. I'm from the stressed out caregiver.com Remember to listen to the Stressed Out Caregiver podcast all the time. Hopefully, I'm providing tips and strategies that make it worth your while to spend a little bit of time listening to this. And until I have the privilege of sharing this information with you again, I wish you nothing but the best.